Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. Fort Myers Beach, Sanibel, they'll never look the same again. These communities have basically been wiped out. In our communities of color, giving resources based on equity, understanding not everyone starts out at the same place. Can you imagine someone saying the exact opposite? Only whites and men should get hurricane resources first. These are serious threats. By Russia. Nuclear threat. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. It is News and Views for a Monday. One of Russia's nuclear-powered submarines now named Belgorod has reportedly vanished from its Arctic harbor. And uh, don't know where it is, where it's going, but it is missing. Apparently radar, or, or satellite I should say, has uh, picked up the fact that it is gone. It is believed to be armed with Poseidon nuclear torpedoes that supposedly have the ability to traverse hundreds of miles underwater and induce nuclear tsunamis near coastal regions. That's an interesting form of warfare. So they could basically cause a tsunami to come up and uh, disrupt a uh, country, take out lives via the tsunami. Uh, anyway, perhaps it just disappeared to uh, give other nations the willies. Perhaps it uh, has something to do with the uh, Nord Stream pipelines being blown up. A lot of speculation. Okay, why did this happen? Who did it? I, I, again, I, I would have to go back and agree with Tucker Carlson. I, I can't imagine why the Russians would blow up their own pipeline. But that's what the Biden administration is basically inferring, that uh, this is something that Putin did, that somehow this would expand. Why would you blow up your own pipeline? I just, I don't get it. I actually heard someone speculate today. It was rather interesting. I mean, I, I think it's a little bit of a reach, but I thought it was, it was worth noting. This person had speculated that, you know, did, did, did the Biden administration blow up the pipeline as a wag the dog strategy? or as a martial law, we're at war with Russia strategy, therefore we're going to have to put off the election. Now, I think both those scenarios are a little bit of a stretch, but in, in this day and age in which we live and in which we see all kinds of things happening and cheating going on in elections. Yes, I still maintain there ain't no way that Donald Trump got more election votes than he did four years earlier. They took the House, increased the House number of House members they had by, what was it, 20-something, and yet Joe Biden wins the election. You know, all the bellwether counties, Trump wins, and yet Biden still, I, I'm sorry, I don't buy it. So you heard, uh, Clark played that clip at the beginning. The uh, White House has now come out and tried to clarify Harris's comments about equity and hurricane relief. Uh, get ready with cut two, Clark. So today the White House came out and tried to clarify the comments that Kamala Harris made about Hurricane Ian, saying her remarks about equity do not mean resources won't be distributed to all people. Here's cut two. It is our um, lowest income communities and our communities of color that are most impacted 
by these extreme conditions and and impacted by by issues that are not of their own making and, and so women. we absolutely and so we have to address this in a way that is about giving resources based on equity understanding that we we fight for equality but we also need to fight for equity understanding not everyone starts out at the same place and if we want people to be in an equal place sometimes we have to take into account those disparities um, and and do that work this is unbelievable uh, listen this is pure unadulterated marxism this is marxism and now the white house tries to walk it back and as they as corinne jean pierre usually does she steps in and makes a big mess of it so they were on the way to puerto rico biden and uh, his wife were down in puerto rico today and corinne jean pierre was asked about harris's comments and she thanked the reporter for the question yeah i'm sure she was really looking forward to it and anyway, so they ask the question about, okay, the vice president said this in relationship to helping out Floridians in the aftermath of Hurricane Ian. To which Jean-Pierre says, well, that's not what the vice president said. She was clearly talking about long-term investment, not FEMA aid for hurricane response efforts. The vice president and the president have been clear that the federal government has been and will continue to be there for all Americans. Really, is that what she meant? <laughs> so over the weekend, Kamala Harris was up at a Democratic, uh, they always say Democratic, it's Democrat. The, our form of government is Democratic Republic, It's but it's the Democrat Party, the Democrat National Committee Women's Leadership Forum. This is on Friday. Let me quote her. She says, I know we're all thinking about the families in Florida and Puerto Rico and what we need to do to help them in terms of an immediate response. We have to address this in a way that's all about giving resources based on equity, understanding that we fight for equality, but we need the fight for equity, understanding that not everyone starts out at the same place. And if we want people to be in an equal place, sometimes we have to take into account about those disparities. Here's my question, Kamala. Uh, if you want everybody in the same place, why don't you give up about three quarters of your salary and give it to other people? Put your money where your mouth is. You don't want everybody to be the same. You don't want to have the average income of everybody else. You want to have your income right where it is. Uh, Harris's comments, by the way, were quickly rejected by Christina Pershaw, representative of Ron DeSantis' election campaign. Uh, Jean-Pierre on Monday said that Pershaw's interpretation was inaccurate. So she just said, well, this is long-term stuff. But then she turns around and says, well, equity is a concern, Jean-Pierre added. But the goal is to get the resources distributed to everyone who needs them. We also know, she went on to say, that some people, particularly in lower-income communities, have a hard time assessing that help. That's why this administration has also made it a priority to remove barriers and ensure that everyone, regardless of their zip codes, can access federal resources. That is what Harrison is talking about. Listen, again, this is pure Marxism. It's Marxism. But, and, and this is how it's introduced. This is how Marxism is always introduced. We're going to go find a problem and we're going to come across as the compassionate ones. We're going to find that, oh, you know, there's, everybody doesn't start out at the same time. Yeah, that's life. Everybody is not at the same place. Everybody does not have the same amount of money. Everybody does not have the same athletic ability. Everybody does not have the same intelligence. Everybody does not have the same morality for that matter. 
I mean, this idea of equity that we're all at the same equal place doesn't happen. It's not a reality of life. But this is how the Democrats and the, and the Marxists always introduce this. They always introduce this kind of thing as, hey, we are the compassionate one. We, we are the ones that are so concerned for the poor. And it's under the banner of compassion that these Marxists use the poor to push their agenda while ultimately they're lining their own pockets as members of the oligarchy to increase their own fortunes and power. And that's exactly, listen, never get, a, never let a good crisis go to waste. That's what they say, right? And that's exactly what they're doing here. And again, Harris introduces the idea, you know, with that cackling laugh. She introduces the idea and then Corinne Jean-Pierre, oh, well, let me walk it back. Let me walk it back. But, but we've planted the seeds there of equity. We've, you know, oh, yeah, that's very compassionate. Yeah, I'm sorry. Listen, the idea that everyone will be treated equally <laughs> by the federal government is what we want. But equity, that we're suddenly, everybody's going to start out at the same place? No, that's not what we want. And that is Marxist rhetoric. They don't really want it, but they want to use it to, to increase their, their own personal fortune and their own power. Bingo. Speaking of Ian, have you heard what, uh, this is cut three, have, have you heard what, <laughs> I love this, I, I hope you've heard it, but it's, it's going to put a smile to your face to hear it again. This is Ron DeSantis talking about looters over the weekend down in Florida. The other thing that we're concerned about, particularly in those areas that were really hard hit, is, you know, we want to make sure we're maintaining law and order. Uh, don't even think about looting. Don't even think about taking advantage of people in this vulnerable uh, situation. And so local law enforcement is involved in, 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 in monitoring that. You know, I told Kevin if the state needs to help as well, uh, because you, know, you can have people, you know, bringing boats into some of these islands and trying to ransack people's homes. Um, I can tell you in the state of Florida, uh, you never know what may be lurking behind somebody's home. And I would not want to chance that if I were you, given that we're a Second Amendment state. Bingo. Boy, you know, I, I, I love the statement. I can tell you in the state of Florida, you never know what might be lurking behind somebody's home. And I would not want you to chance it if I were you, given that we're a Second Amendment state. Uh, you know, this is true across the board. I mean, where do you see the high crime rates? Where do you see them happening? You have, they happen in areas in which it is difficult to protect yourself, where it's difficult to have concealed carry. I mean, it's out of control in these major metropolitan areas that are ruled by left-wing, woke agenda mayors and city councils. That's where, that's where the worst of the worst is. MSNBC's Joy Reid attempted to paint Ron DeSantis as a racist when he gave that warning. You know what? We're a Second Amendment state. I wouldn't want you to get in trouble. There might be somebody lurking. She said, she said that DeSantis was talking about black people. Now, he never mentioned race at all. You heard the entire comments just a second ago. Never mentioned race. So what is Joy Reid saying here? 
Who does she think the looters are, apparently? Apparently, Joy Reid, a liberal black woman on MSNBC, comes out and essentially she says, well, we all know that the looters must be black. That's who DeSantis was talking about. Really? (laughs) You talk about a racist? Who is the racist here? Who is the individual that is assuming that the looters would be black? It's Joy Reid. She's supposed to be, you know, the, the great equalizer. Don't you love it when liberals step in it like this? When they think, oh, I'm so tricky. I'm, I'm going to get, I'm going to get DeSantis in trouble. DeSantis never said anything about anybody's race. He just said, don't come looting in Florida. We're a second amendment state. <laughs> you can't make it up. Unbelievable. And we're going to take a time out. Lots more to talk about. Monday's edition of News and Views continues right after this. Back to News and Views. Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back. Hard to believe it's uh, October. And, uh, boy, fall is here. I mean, I know officially fall was here a couple of weeks ago. But, boy, the weather-wise, a little chilly. And it's going to be even chillier tonight. Tonight, slight chance of a rain shower, low of 48. Yeah. You have to actually close the window tonight and put on an extra blanket. Considerable cloudiness on Tuesday, a high around 60, and uh, more clouds tomorrow night with, again, a slight chance of a rain shower, low of 49. Wednesday, considerable clouds early, some decreasing clouds later in the day, a high of 68. A few clouds on Wednesday night, low only of 51. Uh, Good news is, if you like the warmer weather, we are going to see an increase by the end of the week. We'll probably be close to 80 degrees And a pretty good-looking weekend, uh, high in the upper 60s with lots of sunshine. So all in all, pretty good week. It is October the 3rd, as I just said. 77 years ago today, 1945, 10-year-old Elvis Presley made his first public appearance in a talent show at the Mississippi-Alabama Dairy Show. He said he won fifth place. Come on, sugar. Uh Uh-huh. (laughs) Uh-huh. Elvis. So last Thursday, we covered the stories from Sloan Rockmuth, which was really a follow-up to a story that was in the East Carolinian from last April concerning the ECU Medical School's Sexual and Gender Diversity Committee. Now, as we said last week, and we actually talked about, Benny and I talked about this back in August, there was an ECU faculty convocation where board members of this, not, not ECU board members, but board members of this sexual and gender diversity committee enthusiastically pledged to become, quote, the leader in LGBTQ plus healthcare in Eastern North Carolina. In fact, at that convocation, a facility manager said that providing gender reassignment to people of, quote, all ages, that ought to be worrisome, is at the heart of the clinic's mission. Now, from what I have learned since last Thursday, that is a number of ECU officials who attended the convocation were blindsided by these pronouncements at the convocation. If that is true for all the leadership that was in attendance, I do not know. But I can attest that I do know that some of the leadership, some of the key leadership, had no clue this was going to happen. This was, these pronouncements were going to be made. 
Now, I will say that regardless of that, I'm a little surprised that there wasn't more immediate investigation after that convocation. However, so much of what was said there was code speak. You hear certain things. Well, what exactly does that mean? I mean, it's sort of like Obama, the hope and change thing. I mean, this the woke crowd says one thing. They know what they mean, but they hope you think something else. Anyway, and by the way, it is my understanding that the phones between Raleigh and Greenville have been very active since last Friday. And frankly, that, that is a reason why we need a supermajority of conservatives in the state house and the Senate. I mentioned last week that Republican state senators, including our own Eastern North Carolina, Norm Sanderson, introduced a bill last year called the Youth Health Protection Act, which would prevent doctors from chemically or surgically sterilizing or mutilating anyone under the age of 21. That bill did not come up for a vote. Uh, I can only imagine that Phil Berger recognized that it would have been vetoed by Cooper, which I, I would agree it would have been. If it was me, I would have still brought it up for a vote and made him veto it. But apparently uh, Phil Berger didn't want to spend that ammunition at the time. But going back to April, the East Carolinian article, and again, this is from April of this year. Let me just read part of it. East Carolina University's Brody School of Medicine has started to see patients for the newly developed ECU LGBTQ plus health clinic in an effort to promote access to health care for the LGBTQ community in eastern North Carolina. Housed within the ECU Brody School of Medicine Department of Pediatrics, again, Department of Pediatrics, that ought to be worrisome, the clinic aims to be fully developed, a uh, fully developed clinic for LGBTQ health care services in the ECU Department of Pediatrics by June of 2022. And again, this article came out in April of 2022. Dr. Colby Denty, Brody School of Medicine clinical assistant professor, and she's one of the key people that have really been propagating this whole idea. A clinical assistant professor of an internal medicine and pediatrics said the long-term goal is to have their own dedicated clinical, uh, clinic building on the ECU Health Science Campus that would allow room for all specialties and a true multidisciplinary home for the LGBTQ community. Now, again, what my understanding is, having their own building, that ain't happening anytime soon. We'll see. Um, the article goes on, quote, we noticed that there was a bit, and this is a quote from uh, Dr. Colby Denty. We noticed there is a big healthcare desert here in the eastern part of North Carolina for the LGBTQ plus patients. And so we realized there's a lot of their needs not being met. So we had this idea to create this clinic that kind of started as a small idea and later pitched it to the Sexual and Gender Diversity Committee at ECU. Gender affirmation care, the article goes on to say, refers to treatments that include surgical and non-surgical tr treatment to transgender or non-binary people in their gender transition, a time in which persons changes their gender expression or sex characteristics. How do you change your sex characteristics? I, I guess that's how you carry yourself. Denty said she believes gender affirmation care for people of all ages should be included in primary care. Dindy said the clinic has received a great deal of support from the Department of Pediatrics at the Brody School of Medicine and from the university. 
for one, I'm saying I, I, <laughs> that is a very relative comment in terms of a great deal of support. While the clinic will be associated with the Department of Pediatrics at the Brody School of Medicine, Denty said it will provide services to people of all ages in the LGBTQ community, including a wide range of treatments such as hormone treatment and therapy, a.k.a., in my words, not theirs, uh, you're talking about chemical sterilization. The article goes on, we also do not know any other pediatricians in our area offering this care to those 18 years old and younger, Denty said. And again, if we were to see past this bill that Norm Sanderson and others uh, tried to get through, um, the Youth Health Protection Act, it would be illegal to treat anyone under the age of 21, either with surgery or with chemicals. The Denty said there are no pediatric. Um, yeah, here we go. Denty said there are no pediatric endocrinology providers in the Greenville area who provide gender-affirming hormone therapy that they've been able to find out. Not taking into account gender-affirming care, she said that ECU partners virtually with Duke Pediatric Endocrinology when needed. The literature tells us the kids can start around. This this next statement really ought to uh, get your antennas up. The literature tells us that kids can start around age four having their gender identity. So we do not want to exclude anybody within the pediatrics realm, Denty said. A big part of our goal is to provide affirming care, affirming primary care to everybody in the LGBTQ plus spectrum. My understanding is Denty is 33 years old. I don't know if she has any children uh, I, I cannot imagine someone who would have a four-year-old, or for that matter, a five or six or seven or eight or nine or ten-year-old, who would propagate this. Miss Denty, I, I, I just can't imagine it. I mean, a four-year-old? that again, I said this last Thursday, I'll say it again. If you have a four-year-old that is you know, asking about mommy, you know, can I play with trucks if there's a little girl or, you know, a little boy playing with dolls. And for that, you want to begin to probe gender reassignment? You're sick. So that's my preamble to this. ECU has sent the following statement to certain members of leadership and university stakeholders in response to the news that I've just been sharing with you. Now, I haven't gone into the news that there is also apparently some sort of connection with this um, committee and um, the Pitt County Public School System, the Sexual and Gender Diversity Committee and the Pitt County School Systems in which they are trying to get counselors and teachers and administrators trained to have basically a connection between the school system and this uh, clinic. So to this, uh, this is the statement that ECU has come out with in response to the comments, primarily by Dr. Colby Denty and the Health Sciences Sexual Gender Diversity Committee. One, the mission of ECU Health is to improve the health status of all residents of Eastern North Carolina. 
We provide care to the people of Eastern North Carolina, including the LGBTQ plus community, wherever they seek care. Emphasis, I'm emphasizing this, gender-affirming surgery is not provided at ECU Health. Two, patients access care in ECU health clinics throughout the region and physicians across North Carolina have provided primary health care for LGBTQ plus patients for decades. Like the majority of our services, this care is provided within existing clinical space in a non-state funded building. Two and a half days a week, we provide primary health care services which conform to national care standards to LGBTQ plus patients. During other times, this space is used to serve other patient populations. Three, the care is provided at, uh, I'm sorry, the care is provided in an integrated model following national medical professional standards while, where patients can be seen by a physician and a therapist during the same office visit. It provides patients opportunity to be cared for by the healthcare providers who are interested in helping to address complex health disparities. Four, Caring for the LGBTQ plus community can be medically complex and challenging. Members of the LGBTQ plus community are at an increased risk rather, for a number of health threats when compared to their heterosexual peers, according to the CDC. The clinic serves as a referral site for physicians throughout the region to address the complex needs of the patient population. ECU Health is committed to serving the complex medical needs of the residents of Eastern North Carolina. Lastly, they say, the views expressed by employees are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent the views of East Carolina University. Now, my concern with this statement is not so much in what was said, but what wasn't said. The mission of ECU Health is to improve the health status of all residents of Eastern North Carolina. That's the first thing they said. Good mission. We provide care to the people of Eastern North Carolina, including the LGBT community, wherever they seek care. Again, you know, the LGBTQ plus community deserves the same health care the rest of us get. No one is, no one is saying you're a part of the LGBTQ plus community, therefore you do not deserve health care. No, we're not saying that at all. Um, they go on to say, and again, this is emphasized, gender-affirming surgery is not provided at ECU Health. Now, based on everything that I have read, even the comments from um, Professor Denty, I would say that it does appear that that's an accurate statement, that right now there is no gender-affirming surgery provided at ECU. But, <laughs> but could I ask, could you go a little deeper? Are you, are you referring children to other places like Duke University that we know is already doing this surgery? Are, are you referring some of these patients there? Um, and... Are you administering chemicals that would result in sterilization? I mean, I think those are fair questions. Uh, the second point they say is patients access care at ECU health clinics throughout the region and physicians across North Carolina have provided primary health care for LGBTQ patients for decades, as you should. Like the majority of our services, this care provided within existing clinical space in a non-state funded building. 
Two and a half days per week, we provide primary health care services, which conform to the national care standards to LGBTQ plus patients. During other times, the space is used to serve other patient populations. My, my question to that be, why, would, why do we have a two-tiered system? I mean, I, I agree that LGBTQ plus individuals ought to have the same health care as everybody else. But why is there a two-tiered system? I mean, do you, that just doesn't seem that just doesn't seem to be the right way to approach this everybody yeah if, if you got a cold everybody ought to have the same right to go see a doctor if you got some sickness you know tonsillitis we don't we don't check your lgbtq status at the door or you know are you a heterosexual whatever no we, we you know you get a tonsillectomy uh, the next point they bring, the care provided is an integrated model following the national medical professional standards. And they go on to say some other things. I, I Listen, that's just my opinion. I don't know that I'd be bragging about following the national standards when it comes to transgender uh, health care. I just, I, 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 I don't know that that's the national standard you want to be following. Next, they come and say, caring for the LGBT community can be medically complex and challenging members of the LGBTQ plus community are at an increased risk for a number of health threats when compared to their heterosexual peers, according to the CDC. The clinic serves as a referral site for physicians throughout the region to address the complex needs of the patient population. Yes, I understand that members of the LGBTQ plus community are at an increased risk for a number of health threats, but how many of these are self-inflicted? I mean, listen, when you're introducing chemicals trying to alter the natural course of human development in the human body, yeah, you're going to have significant issues. Or if you surgically, re- and again, I realize the ECU is saying that we're not doing any surgery here. I'm just, I'm just saying, if you surgically are removing healthy body parts, yeah, thanks for acknowledging that you're going to have some other issues that people that don't do that are involved in. Now, I'm sure they're also going to say whether, you know, there's psychological issues. You know, unfortunately, the truth of the matter is people that go through these changes, these permanent changes that you can't undo, they have a very, as as Greg Murphy said on Henry Hinton's program the other day, the suicide rate is uh, scary. It's so high. They go on to say the views expressed by employees are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent the views of East Carolina University. Listen, I understand that when you bring tenure into the equation, that allows people to say and probably do all sorts of things that they can get away with. But I just would ask the question, does ECU not have the power of the purse? They, they don't have to fund these things, do they? I mean, they certainly could, and listen, I mean, if this is going on, on on company time, which it certainly appears to me that it is, you you can't redirect. I mean, I understand maybe you can't fire them, but you can't redirect their work, their hours that they spend doing these things. And by the way, there is a website or it's it's part of the, the greater ECU website But if you go and Google Health Sciences Sexual and Gender Diversity Committee, their website page, um, it says on the page, the committee is open to all LGBT and ally ECU faculty, staff, and students, particularly those on the Health Sciences campus. 
Meetings are the first Wednesday of the month, which would be this Wednesday, from noon to 1 p.m. I find that a little worrisome, that those that are welcome are the LGBT and allies in the ECU faculty, staff, and students. So apparently, if you're questioning whether or not this is the right direction to go, I'm just saying by by what you say on your website, I'm assuming that you wouldn't be as welcome as others. Anyway, we got to take another time out. There you have it. We'll continue to keep an eye on this. But again, we need a conservative supermajority in the House and the Senate up in Raleigh. We can begin to address some of these things. Uh, Remember that in about 30 days when you go to the polls. We'll be right back. Your 5 o'clock drive. The drive home should be a delight. This is Tom Lamprecht with more news and views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Uh, interesting comment from one of our listeners. Um, all, all this talk about uh, the fact that we don't have a uh, special clinic at ECU for uh, the issues that I just presented. This listener says, well, you know what? We don't have a burn center at ECU either. Uh, is that less important? Great point. <laughs> Great point. Five six one eight two five five. Tom from Bellhaven's on the line. Hey, Tom. Hey, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing pretty well. Hope you are. Well, I tried to get in touch with you guys the other day when you were talking about the same subject. And one thing that ran across my mind back in the, I think it was the mid to late nineties. Um, there was a big hubbub with the United States and all of its doctors. CDC and all these people complaining about what was going on in African countries where they did female castration. Right. The United States was dead set against it. It was wrong. But now we're just going to do the same thing with chemicals. Oh, yeah. And listen, there will be lawsuits out the wazoo for this. I mean, you know, oh, yeah. we, we just we just had... Um, we just had a few years ago all kinds of lawsuits with parents suing because Ritalin was given to their kids when they didn't need it. And there were a bunch of lawsuits. That, that, that's small potatoes compared to this. I mean, that's nothing compared to this. But the other question I have is, they say, you hear them all the time on TV, one out of five transgender people will attempt suicide. How many of the people that actually go through the surgery try to commit suicide or do and does that number justify doing what they did? Well, my, my understanding is the numbers before and after, they're both bad. I'm not an expert on those numbers, but I do. In fact, Greg Murphy just said this the other day. It's, it's not good on either side of the equation. And, and why wouldn't you spend, I mean, if there's genuinely this uh, gender confusion, and, and I think it's legitimate, but why wouldn't you begin to treat it for a period of even years with counseling before you before you do something that has got permanent uh, ramifications to it. It just doesn't make sense. None of it makes sense. And the other thing that doesn't make sense is we are changing the way we speak in order to make people that make up less than 
one percent of our population feel good. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It doesn't make sense. no. Great point, Tom. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Five six one eight two five five. You want to chime in? Uh, listen, we got to take another time out. Stay with us. I'll be right back. A collection of question marks. There's a lot of questions. Why? How? No logic. No reason. No explanation. Just a prolonged nightmare. Worst nightmare of their lives. This long nationwide nightmare we'll start collecting clues as to the whys the what's and the where's neighborhood by neighborhood literally knocking on doors this is your worst nightmare the nightmare it would be a nightmare worst nightmare we will not end the nightmare we'll only explain it explain to us because this 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 is news and views with tom and benny on talk 96.3 and 103.7 welcome back in in the last uh, week we were talking to uh, last friday we were talking to uh, James uh, Carafano of the uh, Heritage Foundation and bringing up what is happening over in Europe and the fact that we have Georgia Maloney, the new prime minister of Italy, Liz Truss, the new prime minister of England. Uh, Jim also brought up the new leadership in Sweden, uh, the, the uh, election upcoming in Spain. Um, last week, late last week, there was a... Uh, situation over in the Czech Republic where a hundred thousand individuals showed up to protest what was going on in um, the Czech Republic in, in terms of just the expense uh, eight times what you were paying for utilities last year um, is um, it, that's how high it's gone the the government over there has actually come out and said, well, if you get cold, put on an extra sweater. Uh, they actually, there's a um, a, a member of par- of uh, the German government by the name of um, ah, what was his name, Peter um, ah, I don't see his name right here in my notes, but he came out and was talking about the fact that uh, Peter Bryston is his name. He came out and actually said, the government over there in Germany is now telling us that uh, when you take a shower, urinate in the shower to save water. And he went on to say, this is how, this is medieval stuff. And this is what the government, 100,000 people showed up in the Czech Republic. You know, over in Hungary, Hungary the very conservative uh, president of Hungary uh, what is his name? Starts with an O. Um, I'm slipping. My old age is kicking in. But every every he's I think he's gone through four elections. Every election he goes through, he gets more votes than the last election. By the way, uh, I'm just saying there are a lot of people that are waking up to the woke crowd. And here's the just last night in the city of Greenville. Covenant United Methodist Church voted overwhelmingly, 542 to 7, to leave the United Methodist Church and to join and align themselves with the conservative global Methodist Church. That's a big deal, and we see a lot of congregations in the same boat. Now, every congregation in eastern North Carolina can do that, I doubt it, but the fact that you have an extremely large group of people 
it wasn't unanimous, but 542 to 7 is about as close you're going to get to unanimous without being unanimous. I mean, that that is overwhelming. And uh, good news for uh, conservatives. No, that's not who, no, no, that's not who I'm thinking of. <laughs> but my, my uh, producer's uh, whispering answers into my ear uh, of, of the uh, president of uh, Hungary. Am I, uh, anyway, my old age has kicked in. Um, Washington Examiner, in the closing moments of our program, this is, this is an unbelievable story. The New York Times, the Washington Examiner is reporting this, New York Times sent John Branch down to Wrightsville, Georgia, trying to write a propaganda piece on Herschel Walker. And they go to his original town where he grew up, and they're trying to convince all of America. And listen, Herschel Walker is gaining big time on Warnock, or Warlock as we like to call him. Uh, but coming out, and remember Joe Biden said, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. Well, now they're trying to say Herschel Walker ain't black. Why? Because he thinks like a conservative. Heaven forbid. I mean, just like, just like Clarence Thomas said, how dare a black man get off the liberal plantation? And that's exactly what the New York Times are trying to paint. He ain't black because he's, he's thinking for himself. He's a conservative. The New York Times goes on to quote Andre Galepsi, a professor at Emory University who teaches African-American studies. And this individual says because of Walker's public gaffes and the fact that he's running as a Republican, his candidacy smacks of what black voters view as tokenism. Wait a minute. If you're going to judge an individual like Herschel Walker on his public gaffes, uh, what about Joe Biden? What about Kamala Harris? What about Stacey Abrams? My gosh, uh, that is very selective gaff picking. All I can say is the New York Times. Listen, I think I think a month from now, uh, the New York Times is probably going to be uh, backpedaling a little bit and trying to mend fences with those people that they've insulted that are elected to the Senate and the House. Hey, we got to run. Thanks for being with us. We'll do it again tomorrow at 5 o'clock. See you then. Bye-bye, everybody.